Hello, everyone, and welcome to a brand episode of The Wrap right here on the Fike Media Network. Happy Monday to you all as we kick off a brand new week in WWE as we inch closer to Extreme Rules in a few weeks' time on Peacock. I'm Keela Cash, and due to Salty Scott Young's press conference last week, I have decided for at least this week to suspend him from duty. But in all seriousness, he's taking a break this week. We will miss him, but... In his place is an extra special guest co-host as we have a special crossover event when Brace for Impact comes by the rap for the first time ever. I bring to you co-host of that very show, a member of the Fiking Media family. I bring to you J.D. Oliva. Welcome to welcome to the show, J.D. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm real excited to be here. This is uh, almost like foreign territory for me talking about WWE stuff. A forbidden door, so to speak. A forbidden door, if you will, yes. Yes, walking through the forbidden door. I did so with the Dynamite show a couple of months ago, so I know what it's like to walk across that line. If you're a much kinder person than I am, so it should be a little bit different. <laughs> well, I can be spicy on here, too, depending on the subject matter, but we're going to have a lot of fun here breaking things down from Raw, NXT, no longer 2.0, and of course, Friday Night SmackDown. So, JD, you know, there's been a bit of a change in WWE as of late, and you are watching the, prod- the, the product on a more regular basis. So how is it going being a semi-viewer of WWE programming again? God, hearing you say that makes me want to take a shower. Um, <laughs> interesting. Uh, like, I've got friends who work in WWE, so like, um, I usually don't have a problem telling them, like, hey, your programming sucks. So, I mean, that's just kind of my personality. But um, when, when Triple H came back over and like the whole controversy, how could you not be intrigued with that? Like, just on like a, a, a humanity level, like and what's going on in the newsworthiness. So, um, SummerSlam time, I had to, I had to kind of dip my toe back into kind of see what was happening because again i have very fond memories of the original triple h era of um nxt right that went back when it lived on the wwe network those were great shows so i had to i had to experience it for myself and i gotta be honest with you i don't hate it but i have qualms at the same time but there's things i like things i don't like it's certainly the most interesting to me as an outside fan uh, WWE's been in a long, long time. I feel the same. It's not perfect. But from where we were about three months ago, we are definitely moving in the right direction. And there is hope for this company yet. I think the prayer was, can we get this company in the 21st century? I think we're getting there slowly but surely with some things they're doing behind the scenes, which I greatly appreciate. But, you know, we are still moving slowly towards what WWE can be. And we have seen some improvements. There's still work to be done. But I do have hope. Keela, I host an Impact podcast. I don't look for perfection in my wrestling programming. I just try to be entertained while I'm there for a few hours. My bar is low, so uh, it's been it's been met for the most part. I make a lot of jokes, but I mean, uh, for the most part, I do think the show is markedly better than back in 2018 when I said I can't do this anymore, and I and I walked out of my my be I was one of those begrudging fans. So I mean, it was it was it was easier for me to walk away than I think most people because again, I I came up as a WCW fan, right? And my fandom was like WCW, ECW, like I was you know always kind of a pain in the ass kid. So I mean, like it, it was hard. It wasn't as hard for me to walk away, but I like the fact that I feel like they're trying now. Like I feel like they're making attempts to be better, and I think that for the most part, it's markedly better. 
And that's growth for them. I agree with you. 2018 broke me as a fan. I gave up podcasting. I stopped blogging. I just went cold turkey. I couldn't talk about it. I was very irritated for a good two years. And then AEW came around and it was a boom in terms of, look, there's something else besides WWE that I can look forward to every single week. And now you got a lot of things to look forward to from both promotions, which makes this easier for us as fans to review it and not be grouchy as much. Absolutely. Like, um, I'm a fan of old of old wrestling. Like I'm a history nut just in general. Like a lot of my writing stuff will be, "Hey, did you know why uh, world class in 1983 ruled?" And I'll just talk about that stuff for for eternity. So I like when there's lots of stuff going on in wrestling. I always thought the the monopoly that WWE had over the over the product was boring, quite frankly. Like I think pro wrestling is much more intriguing when there's lots of stuff going on. Like I think the mid 80s are the high watermark for my interest not to say everything was great but everything was interesting and there was lots of stuff going on and i feel like we're in that spot again where at least things are newsworthy you know wwe starting a new AEW is trying to burn their own house down new japan's trying to figure out what it is and impact has sixty-seven thousand viewers this week for the second week in a row oh, so yeah. it's not boring it's never, never boring. boring. It's the busiest year ever. And I'm sure there's no, more news to break between now and the end of the year as we see how it all shakes out as we dive into this past Monday's Raw going down live from Portland, Oregon. This is the first time that WWE has been back in the Pacific Northwest since before the pandemic. We had Seattle and, on SmackDown the Friday before and Portland for the first time since NXT TakeOver in February 2020. It feels like a lifetime ago. And my fears from last week came true because I tried to give Dominic Mysterio some props about his performance by not saying anything on Monday Night Raw when he joined Judgment Day. But then this past week, he had to speak. And it was a pre-tape promo backstage. It was all dark and gloomy, very ominous sounding music in the background. And he talked. He said stuff about Edge. He talked about his father being a tiny, tiny man casting a large shadow. And he's going to walk away from that shadow very soon. And Rhea Ripley enters the frame and says something in his ear. And he says, I'm not a boy anymore. I'm a man. But he has some tics that I don't like as a heel in that you can kind of see him thinking about everything he's going to say. Don't like that very much. And now apparently a heel trait is you must snarl. You must pull your lip in a very exaggerated way to emphasize that you are a bad person. And those ticks have got to go. My fear came true. He spoke. Damn it. But hopefully he can only go up from here. But JD, what are your thoughts on Dominic's not so inspired promo as to why he joined Judgment Day? So when I saw the lip curl thing, I immediately thought of that episode of The Simpsons where Homer and Mel Gibson are talking about their movie and Homer goes, people will suspect the dog if we do a close up on his eyes. And it's mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that's the first thing I thought of because that's usually what I think of as The Simpsons when I'm watching TV. I don't know why. Um, I tweeted just because I'm mainlining all the program. I want to have everything fresh in my head. So the wife and kids are gone today. So I just caught up on WWE stuff. So it was perfect. So I watched everything. And as I'm watching, I can't help myself. I have to, to mention that I think Dominic Mysterio is the least impressive wrestler in a major league company today. I'm in, Nothing he does is interesting. I don't think he's very good in the ring. I think he has zero personality. And he's a throwback to guys like Kendall Windham and George Goulas and uh, Mike Von Erich, like sons of legends who were thrust into the business who just weren't very good. And 
I can't think of a less interesting personality. And our, our mutual friend and I, Scott, were arguing about whether or not Dominic was getting pushed. I see if you're spending a significant amount of time talking about someone on television and featuring them, you're getting a push. And this is not good. Not good at all. No, I don't feel encouraged by the talking aspect of it. And he is getting pushed because we know the end game is ultimately going to be him and his father in a match, possibly for a mask between now and WrestleMania. You've been saying that for the last year and a half, but, Ugh. you know, it's just a matter of can you just bring this character all the way together? And I don't know when he's not talking. I feel hopeful when he's talking. I feel less hopeful when he wrestles. I feel no hope at all. So I don't know what to think about I mean, Dominic. It's so confusing. To be fair, his dad was never a good talker. But when you're Rey Mysterio, you don't really have to be. You just got to be Rey Mysterio. So, I mean, like, I, I can get him not being terribly charismatic, but he has the physical tools as far as size that, that his father never did. But he just doesn't seem to have not, not none of the athleticism because he is a decent athlete. But it's not like... Man, I remember when Rey Mysterio was Dominic's agent, burst onto the scene, and everybody stopped. People stopped what they were doing to watch Rey in the '90s, and Dominic just has none of that, but far more opportunities. It's just um, when I, I coach high school wrestling, and, and we work with a little kids club, and there's always these dads that are trying to live vicariously through their kids, and they're pushing them and making them do all these things, and you just know the kid doesn't have it, but dad's right there, and that's kind of what this Mysterio thing feels like to me, and it's. It's disheartening. Yeah, Ray brings the emotion with his promos. Even though he's not the greatest talker, you can kind of believe everything he's saying. Yeah. With Dominic, it's like, we saw this a couple of years ago. He wasn't bad. He had a good SummerSlam match against Seth Rollins. He's had good main event matches on main roster TV. But I feel like in the last year or so, he's regressed. And I think when you're under the WWE system so much, maybe at his age, you might want to try different things. Maybe spread your wings and fly on the indie scene to get away from your father for a bit to find out who you really are. Because the longer you're in WWE, there's a ceiling for you. I think he hasn't experienced what wrestling is beyond the scope of being in WWE. He's got a great hookup. But at the same time, I don't feel him growing and getting better because people on NXT are surpassing him and he's around their same age. Oh, for sure. He's he's not young. He's a year younger than MJF. Like, it's not like he's a pup in all this. Like, I think what really hampered his development more than anything was going right to the main roster, which I get it. You can make money with Dominic Rey Mysterio, but it's been years at this point. Him not really getting that experience in NXT and, and developing has really hampered him like this. And this happens sometimes to these second generation wrestlers where almost too much is expected from them right away. And they're pushed before they're ready. And I think that's what we're seeing here with, I mean, it's the great mistake that happens over and over and over again. Like those first three Von Eric boys were really good. David might or David, Chris, or, excuse me, David, Kevin and Carrie were really good. Mike and Chris. no, you know, and they but they were thrust into that because they had to be. And it ended tragically for them. I don't think it's going to happen like that with Dominic. But I mean, at the same time, like as a viewer, you can't help but draw those lines and see guys who are are hamstrung because of their last name. I keep looking back at this. Like, if he's going to be a heel in this Judgment Day thing, why isn't he Dominic something else? Like him being Dominic Mysterio doesn't feel like he's trying. That's a whole promo. I'm trying to escape your shadow, but I'm going to keep having the last name, which, by the way, isn't your real last name. Like. <laughs> Why isn't he just Dominic Guerrero or Dominic Jones? Something else like it just I, it's you tell me you don't want to be 
in the shadow, but you stay in the shadow. It's, I don't, I hate everything about this. I don't think it's very good. No, Dominic Guerrero has a nice ring to it, to his does, actual father, Eddie Guerrero, if we're going to be in storyline. But I will say this. I lived through David Flair. He's not oh, David Flair bad. So we can take a deep breath and say, you know what? You're not that awful. I lived through it as a kid. I've been through it as an adult rewatching it. You're not that bad, but at the same time, you're not that good. And I hope things get better. I try to be an optimist, but the more he talks and the more he works, I feel less and less hopeful about his situation. I got a hot take for you. Uh Uh-oh. Dom is way better than David Flair in the ring, but I think David Flair had more charisma than Dominic Mysterio. You know what? Checkmark. I agree with you. I agree with you. I think about the late, great Daphne and David Flair. That chemistry. on TV. Come on. Miss Hancock, Stacey Keebler, yeah. Tori Wilson. It it was at a horrible, horrible time to be a WCW fan. I always laughed at David Flair. You know, we said the same thing. People were like, oh, he's only on TV because. And he was like hated at the time because his name was David Flair and was did not. He had no business. Very similar. But Dominic is better in the ring. But I do. I think David, like especially crazy David Flair, mm-hmm. was more entertaining than Dominic Mysterio. I mean, again, the, the heel thing is new for him. I think his hair is better now. The slick back mullet rather than the the dry <laughs> Kentucky waterfall. Um, yeah, I don't know. I didn't think I think we talked as so much about Dom Mysterio, yet here we are. Yes, we're talking about his hair being moisturized. <laughs> it, I mean, it does look better. It, you know what good, I will say? Better. He tricked me because it looks so slick back. I thought he cut it and then like, oh, hell. So did I. It's still there. <laughs> the same thing. <laughs> We had the same mind. I like, did he cut it like, oh, damn, and he slicked it back and it's now moisturized and conditioned. Oh, all well. But we spent. That's what a, that's what a heel does. A heel slicks his hair back. <laughs> a, a key heel trait. They slick their hair back. They snarl with the upper lip just up there, just punched in a way that's a bit too high for me. And he talks and he thinks about everything he's saying. So those are key heel traits for people that are novice at this. But we've spent way too much time talking about Dominic Mysterio and we've got to talk about him again later (laughs) we're not looking forward to it but let's move on to something that should have happened two weeks ago now I was very agitated when Io Sky and Dakota Kai did not win the women's tag team championships in the final of the tournament involving Raquel Rodriguez and Aaliyah we rolled through to Portland this past Monday and they win. And I felt, well, this is two weeks too late. We missed a boat in terms of getting the maximum pop in Pittsburgh. I'm glad they're the champions. And I think it was Triple H's way to swerve the fans, thinking let's not be predictable with the finish. But sometimes predictability is the best thing you can possibly do to get the titles on a credible tag team that can get over, that can actually bring some credibility to this division. I'm very happy for Eos Sky and Dakota Kai. Uh, as I record this show right now, Dakota Kai has had her longest reign as champion at any point in her career thank goodness for that she'll be crossing a week on monday thank the lord is that right yes is she's that had, accurate she's had an maybe a 45 minute reign on nxt last year she had a three-day reign this year when she won the tag team titles a second time so she's had bad luck winning these belts so now she's the longest reigning champion in her part of her career thank goodness but what are your thoughts on them finally getting it right after skipping on this a couple of weeks ago so I got a friend who works in WWE, and I uh, was picking his brain about this whole thing. And uh, he was like, we got something planned. We got something planned. So, you know, and he kind of was, not without saying the words, but was leading me down the path that someone was coming back, and they wanted this big moment. 
and then it just didn't happen. Right. So I, and I was like, well, if you want that big moment, why wouldn't they just win it? Why wouldn't Sky and Kai, weird name, just, you know, win it to begin with and then do the thing. Say, well, we're not ready to do the thing yet, but the thing is coming, which I, he didn't say it, but I'm pretty sure he meant Sasha and Naomi. And like, I don't know. I've lose, I'm losing faith that that whole thing is going to happen. But this whole, like you ran this, you ran this tournament, which actually had a lot of interest and had this baby face win. I was again, I was talking to John Hughes about this and he's like, Oh, you want those baby faces to go over and you want the people to leave the show happy. I said, they didn't sound like they were, people were leaving the show happy. Like, I don't think, I mean, maybe they thought that's what was going to happen, but this didn't feel like that. Like, I don't know. It's a two week. And someone's like, Oh, they're elevated. Like, like Raquel and and Ilya are elevated. I'm like, a two week reign has never elevated anybody into anything like hot potatoing titles. Doesn't do anybody any good. It it never has. It never will. It just, it felt like a weird decision. I agree with you. Predictability sometimes is the best thing you can do. Like just doing a surprise that's illogical and nobody wants just to say, gotcha. I don't think it helps anybody. Again, it's a mid card title. It really doesn't matter in the long run, but I just think as far as storytelling goes, it wasn't good, but we're in the right place now. You know, damage Katara is, is who you want with those belts. The proper team. And we're just waiting now. We are waiting for Naomi and Sasha Banks to return. They're very busy right now. New York fashion week, working the red carpet in Hollywood. We're still waiting. We're just trying to think to ourselves, when will they return? Could it be at Extreme Rules? Will it be the season premiere of Monday Night Raw in Brooklyn, New York? We don't know. We thought it was going to be Pittsburgh, maybe Portland. The wait continues. I like being surprised, but we know that's ultimately what we're waiting for is their return after nearly four months. Yeah, I just um, sometimes wonder why return if you get all these opportunities without them. You know, to, at some point as a star, you got to go, do I need them? And it's got to come down to the fact of whether Sasha specifically wants to come back or not. And um, I don't know. I think it's interesting. They are definitely living it up and I'm not mad at them. No. Why would you be? Go make money. Yes. That's great. Yes, absolutely. At least the tag team champions are now properly aligned on this show. Yes. Go damage control. And congrats to Kota Kai once again. Seven day champion. Very proud of you. Maybe we can go for eight. <laughs> she makes it a Tuesday. She's going to be on a streak. And we have NXT on Tuesday. You never know. That is a possibility. Don't don't scare <laughs> me. They taped the show already. They taped two weeks oh, worth. <laughs> don't don't do that. My heart almost jumped. Like oh gosh, she's going to show up and drop the titles. <laughs> Shit. Oh no. All right. As we move on to the return of Johnny Gagano in a ring for the first time in nine months against Chad Gable. I thought this was the best match on Monday's show. Really good. Portland crowd a little iffy early on, but once they really saw how great this match was, they got into it. But I really think this comes down to Chad Gable being great, but having no credibility as a serious threat in the ring. And that's a shame because he is absolutely incredible in everything that he does. And Johnny Wrestling, to not do this in nine months, looked very good in there. He picks on himself a bit on Twitter saying I could have done more. But for what they did for 15 minutes, I greatly enjoyed it. And it's very fitting that Johnny's moments happen at key moments in cities across America, Toronto, Takeover Toronto back in 2016, Portland, the last true takeover up until this year in Dallas that we can't call it takeover, but we'll call them takeovers again. Thank God for that. So what are your take on this match involving Johnny Wrestling and Chad Gable? I got something absolutely crazy to tell you. I don't have cable, um, so I watch everything via streaming or via apps and, and whatnot. Uh, we've been cord cutters since 2014. Badge I usually wear proudly. But tonight, I watched Monday Night Raw, and I'm going to tell you something crazy. 
That match was edited off the Hulu cut. So I did not see it. You know, of all the things to cut. I know. They would cut the best match from the show. I know. I was. Bl- we got to the end of the show and I was like, I got three Dom Mysterio segments and I didn't get Johnny Gargano versus Chad Gable. They, it was pretty wild. They deliberately did that to you. I feel like it was a slight because I actually, you know, uh, I have uh, Chad Gable and I have mutual friends. Good old Chaz Betts, 2008 United States Greco-Roman Olympian. Good dude. Um, very happy that he he's featured on television now. I think he's one of the most dramatically underutilized performers in all of North American professional wrestling. But I didn't get to see the match, so I can't comment uh, on it. Oh, I'm so sorry. It's fine. Everyone, everyone like raved about it all week. I was pretty excited to watch this one, and it wasn't there. If we just cut a couple of Dom Mysterio segments, you could have seen it. A couple, a few. There was so many. Damn it, Hulu. Damn it. But it was a really good match. It was really strong. Chad Gable is great. You know, there was a point when I encouraged him to go to New Japan and be appreciated. (laughs) I still think that way sometimes because he's that great. But he's awesome. Johnny Wrestling equally is great. We can't talk about the match. He was told to do that and he turned it down. This is what he wants to do and where he wants to be. See, if I was his agent, I would have told him to leave. I mean, isn't... I know for a fact that he was told, you need to go to New Japan and do this. And he's like, nope, this is where I want to be. I'm going to prove... His whole thing is, I'm going to prove everybody wrong. And uh, he's getting pushed now. Like, Mm -hmm. he got... He's... um, I don't know if I'd say he's over, but he's certainly more over than he has been with the, uh, the Shush character. But I do think he's underutilized. Agreed. His this is probably his best overall year in the main roster due to an an enhanced push. But God, I would have so went to New Japan, I would have G one that thing all day. Yeah, and they probably even though he's smaller, they probably would have let him into G one because of coming off of WWE, where a lot of you know he's more the size of some of the juniors. But I think that because he's coming out of WWE, he would have gotten that G one push right out of the gate. It's a it's a shame. You know what I think is a real shame is that him and Jason Jordan were a really good tag team in NXT and it felt like they had no interest in pushing American Alpha on the main roster when they came up. Like, I know they did some stuff, but I mean, they never really utilized that team what they could have been because as soon as they were up, they were looking for ways to split them off. Remember that whole weird Jason Jordan, Kurt Angle thing? Like, and then they never, it felt like Gable got lost in the shuffle for years and like at least he's doing something now and he's, you know, out front instead of being someone's lackey, but I think, I think he's still having great matches, which is good. I'm really happy for him, but I just wish he was doing something more. Same. I think back to the SmackDown Live era that you mentioned of, of American Alpha on the show a few years ago, and they were always kind of blocked with Rhino and Heath Slater being the tag team champions. Then the Usos turned heel, and then it was their turn. Then they won the titles, but they weren't as hot as Usos. A very mm-hmm. perplexing time for American Alpha, who I thought were over when they got drafted on the show. And then they dropped the ball, and then they split them up, and Chad Gable was... Missing in action for a bit, had a great push in late 2019 with the King of the Ring tournament, lost to Chad, not lost to Chad Gable, not to himself, but he lost to King Corbin a couple of times, which made me really mad. And then Jason Jordan, his career was cut short due to a neck injury. And then he was a long lost son of Kurt Angle. I would prefer that to have been Chad Gable. I digress on that. And then he had the tag team with Seth Rollins, which was kind of good in terms of him absolutely playing Seth, being the good guy. It had potential, but then then the injury happened. And then this 
was never really completed, unfortunately. So it's been a rough go for American Alpha on the main roster. And Chad, at least, mm. is finding his footing on Monday Night Raw despite losing every week. Yeah, I mean, he's doing something, which is more important than anything. Like, do something, right? Like, if you're on, if you're on TV, you're a featured player. Like, not everybody can be the champion. Not everybody should be the champion. I'm not a fan of the idea that everyone needs to have their gold watch moment. But I mean, if you're being utilized, if you're on TV. You're doing something. You're better than 90% of the professional wrestlers in the world. So, you know, good for him. Wish he was doing a little bit more, but I'm happy he's on the show. Agreed. And I'm so sorry you missed him doing an ocean cyclone suplex on national television. That happened? It happened. God damn it. (laughs) And Corey Graves caught it as such. Like, oh my God, he knows the move. What's going on? I heard I heard Michael Cole use the words pro wrestling gorilla tonight, too. I almost shit myself. I couldn't believe it. The acknowledgement of famous wrestling moves and promotions. I mean, this is like this is where we are with WWE. They're calling moves. They're naming things outside the company. Like it's it's these little things that ultimately don't mean a thing. But people are like reacting to them. So, you know, they they know the market. Good on them. Yes. They're recognizing things outside of their universe, which is something they would never do. But now we appreciate the growth. I do. Honest to God, I do. Like, thank you for acknowledging that. Because I remember growing up, like, we had to pretend. I remember having to pretend Ricky Steamboat. They they tried to pretend that Ricky Steamboat, who was a former Intercontinental Champion, not four years earlier, was a brand new professional wrestler who had just arrived in 1991. And he was just the dragon. And George and Gorilla Monsoon and them had to pretend this guy was brand new. And no one knew who Ricky Steamboat was. It was the most ridiculous. Vince McMahon was a maniac for years. People think this is something new. Now, he's always been out of his damn mind. Very neurotic. <clears throat> we're kind of glad those. No, not kind of. We're very glad those days are over of him. Oh, being is, gone. Absolutely. It, yes. It's a breath of fresh. It's a breath of fresh air, despite, you know, the inconsistencies. Still a much better show than what we got a few months ago. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, thank God for stability. As we move on to the best promo for Monday Night Raw. I hope, hopefully this was not cut from Hulu. Was it cut? Tell me Which now. One, though, Kevin Owens? Yes. No, that was excellent. That was, oh. that was an absolutely excellent promo. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Oh, relief. This was outstanding promo work by Kevin Owens. And Austin Theory is slowly growing on me because he's starting to be a bit more of himself and not this carbon copy of what a heel's supposed to be. And Kevin Owens just cut this impassioned promo from his soul. And this is what I mean when you're when you're a heel or a face, that yelling does not always equal emotion, but when you are saying stuff from your heart, yeah, you can up the tempo a bit, you can up your octaves a couple of notches and still be equally as compelling. And the way he talked to Austin Theory, saying, guys like you, you're a dime a dozen. We've seen you come and go over the last 20 years. Guys like myself and Johnny Wrestling, we're one in a million. We break the mode around these parts, and you're just an appendix. You're expendable. You're not going to be here forever. I am going to be here because I have what it takes to be a star. Do you? I haven't seen it yet. Show me. Prove to me that you can create your own moments instead of having them handed to you. And he was just going off. The fans are popping, giving him a setting ovation, cutting this amazing promo. And Austin Theory no-sells it, flexes his muscles, saying, I'm better than you in every way. And then Kevin slaps shit out of him. They get into a brawl. He busts him open at one point. And this feud must continue. And I loved everything about this. Kevin Owens, to quote Jeremy Finestone, he might be what John Moxley is to AEW in terms of being the heart and soul of WWE with these promos that just cut to the bone to get his point across and try to get Austin Theory over. 
I think he will in due time. You need that kind of push from a seasoned vet that's going to take it to the next level. And I do get the sneaky suspicion that Triple H, despite his, despite his fondness for Austin Theory, there might come a point when you think about the Money in the Bank briefcase, you think about Johnny Gargano, you think about Kevin Owens, you think about Extreme Rules. Do you possibly see this briefcase being put on the line and it being switched to one of those two guys other than Austin Theory? No, Austin Theory is going to win the title. Oh, no, don't don't do that. No, that's the work. That's what everybody thinks. Like everyone is under this assumption that Hunter Hearst Helmsley, good old Paul Levesque, thinks like the rest of us IWC fans. And he only wants to see these indie darlings push to the top, completely forgetting what NXT was and completely forgetting that he's triple goddamn H. Like they love Austin Theory. They absolutely adore that guy. Is he going to now? Do I, is, is, do I think it's a slam dunk he's going to win the title this time around? No, not a slam dunk. Do I believe it's going to happen? Yeah, I, I truly do. Because Austin Theory, before... See, the problem with Austin Theory was that he became Vince McMahon's guy in the eyes of the fans. So people like on this impression that he doesn't deserve it. I'm going to tell you something. Austin Theory, in the dying days of Evolve, with Priscilla Kelly as his manager, had a phenomenal feud with Darby Allen. Phenomenal feud with Darby Allen. He's a really good heel. You know, I think that when he's not trying to be everything they want him to be and just being Austin Theory, he's great. And I think that he will be a major force in this company. And I think the fact that everybody thinks he's going to lose that briefcase is just the new work, right? So now it's going to sting even more when he wins it. The more I talk about it, the more convinced I am Austin Theory's winning the WWE title at some point in the next year, even if it's just for a couple days. I do think it's going to happen. Like I said last week, Cody Rose, watch your ass <laughs> after WrestleMania. If Austin still has his briefcase between now and then, I'm worried for you for those two days that Austin Theory might be the champion. But in all seriousness, I do like Austin Theory too. I thought during the last days of NXT Black and Gold, he was a highlight. He was an outstanding dumbass. And I mean that in all he's, sincerity. He was a great, funny idiot. And I'm glad he's getting to show a bit more of who he really is without Vince trying to tell him who he should be versus what he can be. He's a good performer. Like, I think that it's so weird. Vince tells people, and this is for decades, he told people how he wanted them to be. And then when they failed and just tried to do something else, they all got over. Like, this is, we got The Rock, Steve Austin, Mick Foley. I mean, there's tons of examples of that happening. And then they just take the credit. Like, oh, yes, we mentioned this all the time. Like, I think Austin Theory can be right up there, too. He is really good at what he does. And I think it's... um. It's not like he's the Miz, you know, like he's actually athletic and talented and he isn't just pushed because he looks good. Like he actually is good. Like, and I think that it's great that everybody, he's one of the few people in wrestling that people legitimately dislike. Like there's not a lot of people saying, you know, I like Austin Theory. No, everybody pretty much hates him. So I think that's good, man. I think he's doing great work right now. I think that he's still growing. But I think he's a dude that in 10 years is, is going to be in a constant presence for that WWE title. I agree. Even though I don't want to see it right now, but it's going to happen and I'm going to deal with it. Even though he's starting to warm up in my eyes as a guy that can be very compelling to watch on Monday Night Raw is what we, unfortunately, we got to go back to Dominic very briefly. (sighs) Number two. (laughs) Number two. Not so much three or four on the Hulu cut, but we're back here with Dominic Mysterio. The main event was Dominic Mysterio versus Edge and Edge dominated the majority of this match by beating Dominic's ass to Rhea Ripley, even the odds in Dominic's favor. But this match from Dominic's end was not very good. He had the audacity to go for the three amigos. 
and had no pop in his hips whatsoever. How dare you dishonor your father and kayfabe like this? This was insulting. And then he goes to top of the flock splash. That was fine. But the three amigos, that was egregious because Logan Paul, who we'll talk about later on in this show, does your move better than you. So does Ray Phoenix. Like, it's so like I, like ready Eddie Guerrero was a, a pretty good amateur wrestler back in in the in the state of Mexico state of Texas excuse me, so he had these he knows how to hip heist he had really good that's a hip a pro, an amateur wrestling hip heist that he would do. Dominic Mysterio clearly was never an amateur wrestler because he had no idea how to rotate his hips through that thing. And let's the less said about his little shimmy the better. Like it's I don't know I feel, I feel like there's too much Eddie Guerrero references in all of pro wrestling right now. It's kind of weird because he's been gone for so long. But I mean, I get why I get in theory why Dominic would do it. That said, he should never do it again because it just looked like shit. It was embarrassing. I just thought Logan Paul did it better. Way oh, yeah. better. Logan Paul's a much better athlete. Yes. <laughs> much better athlete. Much better professional wrestler, too, quite frankly. Facts. We'll get to him later. But mm-hmm. we're just telling you the truth on this show. Logan Paul is better than Dominic Mysterio in every way. Point blank, oh, period. Yes. <laughs> we're not going to sugarcoat better. it. Uh, better athlete, yes. better charisma, better in the ring yes. for a guy who's had, what, two professional matches? Yes. Wild. Absolutely crazy. The bright spot is, as always, Edge being over and trying to be the veteran out there guiding this match and telling a great story of beating Dominic's ass. If anybody's going to humble him, it's going to be Edge. But ultimately, Ray, once again, the father is trying to protect his son. Don't don't do it, Edge. Please don't beat my son's ass. He doesn't deserve it. He, he feels bad about what he did. And then you get your ass kicked by Judgment Day. Edge gets thrashed by Finn Balor, Dominic. Damian Priest, Rhea Ripley, and he gets pilmanized with the chair, with the coup de gras, and it's bent an awkward angle. So for the 15th time in two years, Edge is out with another injury angle. It's a bit much at this point. He gets injured every other month and goes away for two months and must come back for revenge. Now, even though he should get some eventually, you do need some friends besides Ray because the numbers game is not exactly in your favor right now. Ray is the new sting as far as being a dumb baby face goes. Um, absolutely stupid. Ed, I get it. Edge has this, Edge has one of those special contracts. You know, he gets to uh, gets to leave. I think I wish they were a little more creative than injury angles every time. And now we're gonna get. It's you can almost see it. Like when's he gonna come back? Survivor Series, Royal Rumble, something like that. They'll have a moment. Three, two, one. <sighs> you know, it'll people will go crazy. It's just kind of it's getting kind of played out a little bit, but. Hey, good for him on having that contract. You know, you you need some ba- some baby faces. Who else is there, right? That Ray can like rely on. I know there's. I know friends in WWE doesn't really exist. But what do we got? Like, who else could step into this role? Hmm. Could it be AJ Styles? Well, it makes sense. They don't have much history, but I can go. Well, do they? I don't know. Um, I'm not sure. Having not watched regularly in a few years, but I mean, like, yeah, I'll go with that. AJ, sure, maybe. Maybe Kevin Owens. He seems to be the top baby face on on Raw at the moment. I don't know. Uh, yeah, baby faces need friends. Baby faces should have friends. You know, that's how it was when 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 we were kids, right? The baby faces all kind of liked each other. Yes, but Ray has no family or friends to protect him right now from his own family, which is sad. Well, you know, he did it to himself. Actually, the the material in Dominic's promo wasn't bad, and it was actually. If you if you wrote the words down, which I'm sure they were written down for him, 
it actually kind of makes sense. You could kind of see it as, as like, you know, delusional heel justification. Unfortunately, the uh, lack of charisma and conviction with which they were delivered um, really softened those edges. So, you know, I can kind of get it. I don't know. They tried. <laughs> tried. They tried. They tried. They tried their best. It wasn't good enough. This was a fine closing angle, but... Dominic talking and him wrestling was not a good combination on this night. And I take back everything I said last week about having hope for this feud. If he remains silent and does very little, I might feel better about it. But this week, it's a hard pass from me. They should make him like Jeff Cobb and Lucha Underground. Just put him in a mask and don't let him say anything. I know. He might have to earn the mask, though, against his father to make this make sense. No, just put any mask on him so we don't know what's done. <laughs> oh, my God. The judge, honestly, his, um, the level of judgment people have on him would drop significantly if he was just a random dude in a, ma- in a random mask, right? Yeah. Just right now, just very generic and plain and average oh. and just, we're not feeling it. White and bread. Yes. Wonder bread white. That's how. Wonder bread. Yes. That's how stale he is right now, respectfully mm. speaking, as we make the transition to, for the final time, NXT 2.0 because on Tuesday at the very end of the show Paul Levesque who I know for a fact was behind this he had a Shawn Michaels voiceover saying we're NXT then now forever the Nickelodeon colors that were rebranded as NXT 2.0 disappeared we have a solid white and gold black logo for NXT 3.0 and this was so shady because this was the first anniversary and now the last anniversary of 2.0 we got a highlight reel of the past year showing us the best moments from nxt to make it feel like the greatest year ever for this brand which it wasn't but for the three minutes they gave us it felt like a pretty fun year but now it's time to bid the colors adieu and bring back some og nxt i'm very happy about it i think the last couple of months under Shawn Michaels' leadership, minus Bruce and Kevin and Vince's hands all over it, has been solid. There's still some imperfections here and there, but I do feel as if this rebrand of NXT is going to be great for WWE because it's going to be a streamlined approach for talent that you're not going to get botched on the main roster. Who you are in NXT will be most likely who you will be on the main roster. There's not going to be this continuity era of things not mattering on one show versus the other. All of this is going to make sense. And for that alone, this will be why developmental from this point moving forward will actually provide more success stories than bus. NXT is back skulls and metal and poppy <laughs> and dimly lit production. And it's, you know, I laugh at all this stuff, but I actually did quite enjoy that era of NXT. Um, I do think it's going to be, it's going to be something different. Like I don't think people can expect what we used to have in the old NXT, because quite frankly, there's like, there's nowhere they can remember when they'd have like random indie guys that would just show up in NXT and everybody would go crazy. Like you can't do that anymore. Right. There is no, there is no indies to pilfer from really. Right. It's so it's, it's going to have to become another new thing. And I'll be honest with you. This was my favorite WWE show of the past week. I enjoyed this one more than both raw and SmackDown. I think it's because of this, the imperfections. I kind of like, one thing I don't like about WWE is how overproduced everything is and how everything has, it feels kind of, um, I don't want to use the term whitewash, but like, you know, 
antiseptic like you know like it's like a clean bathroom like everything is just sparkly and eh, i I just don't like it like the fact that nxt 2.0 had some foibles made it kind of fun to me and i don't the hulu cut i got i got like four packages i got like four like long video packages on the show so i'm not sure what was cut out of it but what i saw i pretty much enjoyed for the most part to be honest with you but i agree with you 100 percent. the process of w nxt wwe is going to be much more efficient with the same guy and the same i the same people kind of running in the same creative direction like it never made sense to anybody before how things were going to go um i think it's, i think it can only benefit them because they have a system that like quite frankly aew can't can't mimic and one that new japan isn't interested in mimicking so they can really make you know hunter's ideas that he was talking about for years really sing this time around and like i said it's um if the shows are good i'll watch you know, I actually I kind of like this developmental show, to be honest with you. Yeah, it's grown on me in the last few months or so. I made a prediction on one of my shows that by June 2022, it would be better. And I was right. And it got better towards the end. And I just like the fact that, you know, in the old days of NXT, we would love the takeovers and we would love the weekly shows on the WWE Network. Then dread the call ups because we knew they would be botched. And now. You feel you feel a bit more optimistic about if I see this person's growth from the roots up, if they move up, then they will actually have a shot to make it. And that's good to see. It feels like your time is no longer being wasted on NXT, that it matters if they move up to Raw and SmackDown and they can become a star. I feel a bit more encouraged about the future because up until maybe six months ago, you were worried about every call up wondering is this going to work? Who's going to get cut? Why doesn't Vince get it when you pretty much have your hands all over these shows? I don't get it, but I feel hopeful that the people we're seeing, the people that we're seeing at the PC are actually going to be stars on Raw and SmackDown and possibly headline WrestleMania in the next two to three years. What's unfortunate is that it was so botched for so long and so many people fell victim to Vince just being like, well, I got to put my own stamp on it. Right. And so few guys came from NXT to the main roster virtually unchanged. Like Kevin Owens is pretty much one of the few that I could think of who's pretty much the same dude and didn't like like upon at least his initial push. He wasn't like he didn't like get devalued or been like, well, we have to remake you in Miami. He just got to be Kevin Owens from jump pretty much and has been for quite some time. But there's far more. Andrades and Viking experiences or Viking, whatever the heck they're called this week. And there's, there's much more, like, I still can't figure out why I, I, this week I I learned that Raquel Gonzalez is now Raquel Rodriguez and nobody can tell me why, like, why did that happen? Like why, like other than, I don't know. I don't know why that, I don't know. I don't get it. So hopefully we'll get a lot more symmetry between the brands now. And it's only better. I mean, like the fact that I watched Solo Sokoa on two shows this week, I think is great, right? That only, that only elevates him and elevates NXT if he's still there, quite frankly. Yes, it gives shine to the Tuesday show. It elevates Fridays too. It's the cross promotion for me and they can possibly be a factor at Survivor Series again, which would be a lot of fun. That was peak NXT in 2019. If they never dropped the ball, as we talked about on Twitter a few weeks ago, if they had, if they ran a show on New Year's Day, two and a half years ago and kept the momentum things i don't know might have been different they had went they were winning they had i mean like this is one of my favorite subjects to talk about aw had their worst i don't care anyone says their worst program over that dark order debacle where the guy couldn't get his hands on wasn't actually punching dustin and the fans were like what is this and then they were off tv for a full two weeks right and how does triple h combat this this 
on this week where he has no one against him, where he can truly put his stamp on the wrestling world, he gives them an award show. It was one of the biggest, but then AEW came back the next week with over a million viewers and they secured a big TV deal the following week. Like, what an idiot move. Like, I'll never get over how that dude just let, and it was downhill from there for both him and the original black and gold brand. And he made that decision on his own. Stupid. So he gets a second chance at all this, and hopefully he's smarter this time because they had the advantage. They had the hot hand, and they decided not to do anything with it. I felt the same way when that happened on January 1st, 2020, and they didn't run a show and they lost, got their asses kicked. When they got their money, when AEW got paid, the war was over. I said Mm -hmm. it on my own show. I said, this is a wrap. You don't do that. Now, in 2022, he's petty. Of course, he's going to run things head to head. That's what you should do. That's a petty dude. That's That's a petty dude. Yes. Yes, that's, That's him. We're talking about... We're talking about Triple H, one of the most legendarily petty people in the history of professional wrestling. The dude, that dude, took out more careers than ACL injuries. Like <laughs> this, this you, you, this ain't over yet, man. But it was like, and I think that you know, who else think feels the same way you feel, Vince McMahon. Mm-hmm. I truly believe that's what did him in, right? And that's what happened. To everything like he did that. AEW got the deal, and Vince looked at Hunter and was like, "You failed me." And it got worse when you moved on Tuesdays and nothing really changed because the show plateaued. It hit its peak. It had to be refreshed. I, I feel like that was the white flag that they moved. They were like, well, we'll just focus on being developmental now because, you know, uh, again, for my friend in WWE, they thought that AEW had kind of peaked is what they were going to be and that they didn't need to try to sabotage them anymore. And that could be spin. But a lot of their actions seem to kind of confirm that, yeah. right? Because they haven't really, they didn't worry about countering AEW for a long time until recently. Yes, the pettiness is back. The revenge tour is ongoing and I'm here for it. I love competition. We just wish it was here like two years earlier when it mattered. But that's how 2.0 came to be. And now it's gone, making way for 3.0. We'll see how it looks in two weeks as the show has been taped in advance for next week and the week after as we build towards Halloween Havoc, which will be a takeover, I believe. And I'm very happy that term is returning as well. It's a brand, right? Like, that's a brand. It had value to it. I don't, the fact that they took those away was stupid to begin with. Stupid and petty on McMahon's part. Whatever it is, as long as I get to watch the Creed brothers murder people in the ring every week, I'm a happy camper. Same here. And speaking of the Creed brothers, so several months ago, I sent a tweet out and JD blew it up. He put me on the spot. I did. You did. <laughs> I don't remember this. Please you did. Because Julius, who I have talked about fondly on the show, there's an inside joke about Cheddar Biscuits and Red Lobster. And <laughs> <laughs> I said he was working on his fitness and you... You just push it right on out there. I was like, oh, God. That's my guy. Yes. Like, that's my real life friend. So I had to, had to, you know, had <laughs> I forgot about that. I had to poke the bear a little bit on that one. I was like, okay, never do that again. <laughs> <laughs> but as always, Julius and Brutus are a highlight on Tuesday nights. And it had a really good two occasion match against Pretty Deli for the NXT Tag Team titles. Julius... You know, this guy is going to be a star, a superstar on the main roster very, very soon. The Spanish fly, the springboard to Elton Prince was absolutely spectacular. The double suplex spot from Pretty Deadly to Julius was great as well. The doomsday device, Brutus Bomb, 
was insane as well. A lot of high risk spots in this match that I loved. And then we got Damon Kemp coming out to handcuff Julius to the cage. And Julius trying so hard to break free. Brutus trying to help. Brutus got to fight for his team. He's taking the legs, whooping ass too, but ultimately he gets caught with not one, but two spilt milks as Pretty Deadly retains the NXT Tag Team titles. I thought this was a great way to kick off the show. A very psychologically sound steel cage match to give the Kree Brothers an out for not winning this rematch, as I am assuming that this is going to come down to Damon Kemp, Brutus, and or Julius in one-on-one matches in the weeks to come. I just love their storyline. And Damon Kemp is another guy that has really grown into his own on this show as of late, as he has what it takes to also be over as a star. And he's having more higher prospects than his brother, dare I say. Oh, don't dare say it's it's the reality of things. So I absolutely loved this match. I don't like WWE, the psychology, I should say, of WWE steel cage matches. I've never understood this idea of, I hate this guy so much, I can't wait to get him in a cage where I can run away. Like, it just, it's never, and it, I, I got to watch Owen Hart and Bret Hart live. It was at SummerSlam 94. I was in the crowd, and everybody regards it as one of the best steel cage matches in WWE history. And again, I was a 14-year-old snot who liked to watch old Crockett tapes, and I was like, Psst. Magnum T until he's way better than this. So, I mean, like, I've always had this, like, bitterness when it comes to those matches in my mind. I thought this was great. I thought this was a great way to work within those silly confines of those rules and continue to build the Damon Kemp character. Bobby Stevenson came to the University of Minnesota as a highly regarded prospect. But he was also he also came there as Gable's big brother. Right. He was good. He was a good high school wrestler, but not as good as Gable. Right. Minnesota landed them both. They were hometown kids. And Bobby just didn't have a very good college career. Right. And he didn't get the big press that Gable got. Gable won the gold. Gable was a three time NC, maybe a four time NC AAA champion. Um, Bobby didn't have that. Bobby signed very quietly with NXT and debuted under a different name. Right. He doesn't get to be Bobby Stevenson. He's Damon Kemp. And I'm going to tell you something. This dude was meant to be a professional wrestler. Like, he's still super young in his career. But this guy is going to get the accolades in pro wrestling that escaped him in amateur wrestling. And I'll tell you what, the talk of amateur wrestling Twitter is Gable might be coming back for to wrestle in college another year and possibly have another run at the Olympics. And I got a hunch that we wrestling fans know the reason for that because it ain't working out very well for him. And we are seeing the tea leaves of that a bit. Baby brother might be the prospect we got to be watching out for. And I kind of like it. He's very impressive. I like where he is. I remember the first time I saw him, I was like, oh, no. But actually, it's big brother. That's big brother. That's big brother. Uh, big, yeah. Uh, Bobby's the older brother. Oh, wow. Gable's the younger brother. Wow. I did not know that. Thank you for educating me. So yeah, that's Big where Brother I, is going to surpass uh-huh. Baby Brother. Now, in WWE, they could lie and say it's the other way around. <laughs> At some uh, why point. wouldn't you? <laughs> you know, they're, I mean, they could actually, if Gable ever takes to this, and I don't, to be frank between us, I don't think he's got them. I said this to Garrett too on numerous cases. I don't think he's got the headspace to be a good professional wrestler. I don't think he's interested in it. Like if you follow his Twitter, he'll be like, oh, I think I want to play football. Oh, I think I want to do MMA. Like he just, he's far too immature and unfocused at this stage of his career to be good at this. Bobby's a different story. If that ever works out, there's a built-in storyline. That would be great. I don't know if da- I don't know if the, if the current Damon Kemp needs that right now. I think he's 
I think he's got something, man. His presence, his look, just, I think it works. And I think that whatever comes with him and the Creed, I would love, I think we're going to see him and Roddy versus the Creed brothers. I think it's going to be a great tag match when it happens. I really do. I would love to see it as well. I just love their dynamic. Either they're together opposing against each other. And to see Damon's growth in the last six months has been really great to see as well. He was very green when I first saw him in all maroon. Wasn't digging it, but more time and just really picking stuff up quickly. It shows that he has an aptitude for this, which I really like and respect that you go in the lab, you work on it, you get better, you come back and you are impressive in every way, character work, in-ring style. It all meshes well. And the Creed Brothers, this will continue. Roddy will be back and hopefully we'll see where he aligns most likely as a heel. But the one thing I would love to see before the end of the year would be Roddick Strong versus Julius Creed one-on-one, a 20-minute pissing contest of a match. Be freaking awesome. One thing I love about NXT is it has these Memphis vibes. Like, again, I'm talking old Memphis, because that was a small territory where you'd have a lot of new guys that would come in and really cut their teeth. And sometimes it wasn't great, but you also had, like, Jerry Lawler and Bill Dundee and Jimmy Valiant, these, like, veterans that were good at what they did. So it was this weird mix of, like, time-honored, time-honored good wrestlers and green dudes, right? And I think that it really helped the development of a lot of guys, like dudes like Ravishing Rick Rude, who were nothing before they came through Memphis and really found themselves there. Same with like King Kong Bundy. Like, I, and that's what I'm kind of seeing with what NXT could and should be. And when you say Roderick Strong, Julius uh, Creed, that's what that is to me. Like that kind of lives up to what old territorial wrestling was. Like, how do you get better? Unless you're working with people that are better than you, right? And I mean, working like in the ring, like on TV, doing real stuff. When they're actually in there having matches with Roddy, they're going to get great at time, right? But it just takes time. And it's so hard to develop in front of millions of people, right? Like a lot of these kids shouldn't be on TV yet, but they have to be, you know, and it's, it's not the best environment to come up in. Like New Japan makes guys work forever before they're put into push spots. It doesn't happen here. So it's nice to see when it's happening the right way. Proper slow burn. And that is one of the good things about this reboot is that we don't need to see people on TV three months after being in developmental. You're not ready for TV yet. That's the beauty no. of Level Up and the Coconut Circuit to really perfect your craft because that was the one thing I didn't like about 2.0. We had green people wrestling green people and it was really bad because you're not ready. This is not... No, neither. This is not a finishing school for live television. This is supposed to be a stepping stone to Raw and SmackDown. And I'm glad that we were focusing on let's get the season professionals against the upstarts who are actually ready for TV versus seeing people crash and burn before they're ready. And I'm not blaming the talent. I'm blaming the people that put them on TV from the booker to the trainers who know damn well, they're not ready yet. Absolutely. It's funny because I don't know if you read the observer this week, but Dave talked about AEW needing to, he didn't say follow this model, but he's essentially saying follow this model because they have two internet shows that don't mean a damn thing that there's no reason to watch either of them. And Dave says, why not hand that off and make it a straight developmental show? You got so many guys that are contract. Why not? Cause they ain't learning nothing by just doing squash matches every week. Give them a, their own storylines, give them their own book or give them their own show and let them learn how to work on TV. Cause he's right. None of them have really gotten better 
because they're not given that opportunity. Here in NXT, especially even in this 2.0 era, which started off super rough, where everybody was so green, this, you know... Oh, I had a joke and I lost it. Well, I'll, I'll, leave, I'll leave it there. Um, but yeah, everyone was so green that nobody got better. Now they're starting to come around a little bit. Like, the system can work if it's properly... New, if it's, you know, properly cared for. Like, having your Dolph Ziggler's and your Apollo Cruises be there working with these kids that's how they're gonna get better not watching two green people potato each other for 10 minutes that was always bad television and it's very good that we're getting back to the basics the roots of nxt and crazily enough before the reboot at full cell 10 years ago it was a very indie-rific underground show that had its own storylines that told its own stories and there was a guy that i know that wrote for that show very savvy guy and they just was able to do their own thing and as you mentioned with aew they can do that for dark and dark elevation make your own little world that gives people more reps and time because squash matches as you said is not going to get them better it's not going to get them ready for tv any quicker it's just going to stop what they know what to do but they don't know how to expand on it and that's a problem right Right. You got all these people under contract. And I get that Tony Khan is focused on getting their TV because it's the lifeblood of the company. I understand that. But at the same time, that's WCW's problem. All they worried about was the now and didn't worry about tomorrow. Right. And I know people are saying something. I'm pretty sure Dave wrote that article because he knows Tony reads it. Like at some point he needs to stop being such a control freak and say to somebody, hey, man, just you do these things down in Orlando. Right. Or, yeah, it's, it's Orlando. It's Universal Studios. Like, I'll just worry about this and then make your TV count for something. Give me a reason to care about Sky Blue because she could be pretty good, but she ain't gotten better in a year and hasn't had the opportunity. Dante Martin is the same dude he was a year and a half ago. They need to follow what works and what NXT and people dog on it. But I'm sorry. I'm seeing people get better. It's working. Steal liberally because that's what wrestling is. You just steal. We steal moves, steal ideas, steal everything. Do what they're doing. It's a good copy. It's a good copycat move. And we briefly talked to AEW on this show, rightfully so. And the Dante Martin thing, it sticks with me. I said that recently, too, for a guy that had to be single on his own because of his in- because of an injury to his brother to be back in the same spot a year later. And there is no upward growth. That is a problem to me because you would think we went through this last year. Let's elevate him a bit more to see what he can do. And it's stunning to me that as good as he is, he hasn't grown far from where he was a year ago. But I, I get it at the same time because there, there has been a bit of a glass thing system. And I get it there. AEW's future is not a set. WWE doesn't matter. I mean, we, they, we saw for a couple of years them just, you know, half-assing. They really was their way through TV, and they can't. They're too big to fail. AEW isn't. They have to get TV deals. They have to make sure that what they're doing draws ratings. And you have Brian Danielson and John Moxley and those guys, so I understand it. But that doesn't mean you can't nurture your future at the same time. When you're producing all this hours of content anyway, all I'm asking is you to make it worth it. Like, give me a reason to watch these shows, because I don't, and I'm a big AEW fan but i got time mean, like i don't have two hours a day to watch dark right especially but if you make me care a little bit well maybe i'll check it out right like nxt i watched this week i watched the week before i'm probably gonna watch next week gotta give us a reason to care for the same way about dark and dark elevation i want to care i want to mm-hmm. invest i just don't have the time I have a life. Right. Yeah, same. I mean, like, I, I'm a busy guy. But if you make, if I'm looking forward to something, hey, I'll make, I'll make time to watch. I found time to watch Ring of Honor every week, and that show sucked for the last, like, six years. 
Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. As we segue from this dual conversation, we open a couple of forbidden doors during this particular piece. But it was important because we're very passionate about developmental and the future. And we just want to make sure it's streamlined properly across every promotion because the youth is our future. They are the they are really the backbone of this business. We want to see everybody succeed and get their reps and the time to shine. Absolutely. All righty. So let's move on to our main event of 2.0, our last main event of the multicolored brand involving Solo Sequoia returning to the show as the most over guy in the building against Carmelo Hayes for the NXT North America Championship. This was a Cyber Tuesday situation where it was supposed to be Wesley, but Carmelo and Trick beat his ass backstage. And then Solo says, I got next. And he was over a shot at the North America Championship dating back to earlier this summer against Cameron Grimes. But Grimes lost his title to Carmelo and Melo says I owe you nothing I didn't make that promise to you but Solo came to collect it was a really fun main event and he ended up winning the North America Championship and taking it to Smackdown on Friday in Anaheim, Anaheim, California and I love it because it elevates the bloodline everybody outside of Sammy has gold and I just love how they all have belts to really legitimize how great this faction is Carmelo be fine he can moonlight on Smackdown and go after Solo to get his title back and then Solo can come on NXT every Tuesday night with that belt to make it mean a bit more that is what we love cross promotion to make these shows flow every Tuesday Monday and or Friday night I'll tell you why I love this. This was literally, this is pro wrestling 101. The best thing Bill Watts did in WCW in that brief time he had over there was Sting had lost the world title to Vader and they were supposed to have this big rematch, but Vader hurt Sting and Sting couldn't go. And they had this surprise who was going to, they made a choice of who from the WCW babyface locker room was going to challenge Vader and no one knew who was going to be. And then all of a sudden they made the decision. It was going to be Ron Simmons and Ron Simmons comes out and does the impossible, beats Vader. The crowd went nuts at center stage. Nobody saw that happening. And they tried to make Ron Simmons a star. The booking afterwards didn't didn't do him any favors. But in that moment, it was amazing. And that's exactly what this was. Like, I'm, I watched this going, dude, this is WCW 92. This is great. And it really... It really worked because, again, here you have this plat- this platform you could take Solo Sokoa onto, put him onto SmackDown, put him with the, the biggest thing in wrestling right now, and make him seem so much more important. And he was, is he always this over in the crowd? Or is he just that over because we thought he was gone? Because, again, I haven't watched that much. He was always this over. He just even more wow. over now. He was this over before he jumped to the main roster a couple of weeks ago. That dude's a freaking star, man. I mean, that family just gets it. They just absolutely just get it. They do. And for him to be doing this for less than a year, his growth on this show has been impressive. And we'll get to him shortly. But his command week two on SmackDown. It's fantastic. My God, this entire family is the best. That's why, like, despite people grumbling, like, Rome, like, no, Roman could keep the belts for five years. I don't care because this is the best thing going in wrestling today in terms of great story. And this main event explains it all. And Solo is over on this show. He's going to be over on the main roster. And just his command of who he is is truly remarkable to watch. Yeah, he's a star. Like, that guy's got it, man. He's going to be... I don't know how much longer Roman Reigns is going to do this for, right? But that's a guy that could be the guy there for a while. 
definite possibility this bloodline can spin off into so many different things and you can see the tea leaves being played out. So this was a nice way to wrap up the final 2.0 as we bid it adieu, as we usher in whatever it's going to be after the next couple of weeks. We expect skulls and poppy and... <laughs> yeah, it's coming back. And dim lighting, apparently. I, you know, I do like the lights on, to be fair. I do like the lights on. Don't dim them too much, Triple H, please. I, I, I was shocked at how small Full Sail actually is. Like, when the lights are all on, I went, wow, this place is really small. <laughs> like, I never realized that before because the same building. It just looks way different with the lighting scheme they have there now. Yes. I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued to see what things look like next week. Yes, me too. Poppy, welcome back. We miss you, girl. Come on. Just in time for Halloween Havoc 2, your favorite holiday. Come through with the new song. We beg of thee. As we move on to Friday Night Smackdown on Fox going down live in the Honda Center in Anaheim, California, and the top story that played off in Las Vegas earlier in the day is the fact that we have our main event for Crown Jewel going down November 5th in Saudi Arabia. It will be Roman Reigns defending his undisputed Universal Championship against Logan Paul. And when this news was announced on Friday, I was surprised, but I am very intrigued by this matchup because Logan Paul for all of his two matches in WWE has been really impressive. He has a command of the ring. He has great presence. His charisma is on point. I think he tries too hard to be beloved. And as I always say, you're not going to earn respect because quite frankly, you're very unlikable as a person. I'm not going to lie and say that you're not, you are not very likable in front of mainstream people, but what you do in the ring, you make people begrudgingly respect you. And for that, I respect you because you care. You put in the work and you're committed. And when you're working with by far the biggest star in WWE and Roman Reigns fighting for the richest prize in the company, you've leveled up. And I expect this to be a great match for the championship. It is going to surpass all expectations. The shit talking is going to be incredible. Roman is already over as a babyface in a lot of ways. Is going to be unanimous, unanimously cheered for the duration of this feud, which I love. And at the press conference, I think we talked about this off air. <laughs> the bloodline rode up, including honorary Ooh Sami Zayn. And they told a story within a story of this press conference as Jay gave Sammy the side eye the entire time. So there is so much going on in this storyline, which I love so much. And this is a great opportunity for WWE to cross promote, to really get themselves out there. And Logan Paul is a draw. He can go out there, make noise, get press. And this will be a highly promoted match by WWE. It's brilliant marketing. I'm not mad at it whatsoever. The press conference in Las Vegas was a lot of fun. And my only issue is that Logan Paul is going to lose to Roman Reigns. And I think considering how good he is at this, that might be too much too soon. But hey, the check cleared is going to eat the L and he'll be fine heading into next year's WrestleMania. This is fascinating. Um, my initial reaction to this was eh, because Dave on Friday was like, oh, major WWE news is dropping in the next hour. And everybody was like, you know, you say something like that and people's imaginations wander. And I'm like, oh, my God, what's going to happen? Are they going to get bought? Is Comcast taking him over? And it's like, oh, Logan Paul, Roman Reigns in Saudi Arabia. And I went, oh. Okay. But then I started, I watched the show and I thought about, I'm like, you know what? The Saudi shows really kind of don't count anyway. And they need someone big and they've kind of, let's be honest, there's no one big from the 90s we can bring back anymore. So what are you going to do to create that kind of level of interest? I don't know what Roman, I'm sorry, what Logan Paul's star in in Saudi Arabia really is. But 
it makes sense. Like, I don't know, like how often is Logan Paul really going to be around? Like, it didn't sound like he's going to, he's, he's on one of those sweetheart contracts that you just come in whenever you damn well please. So why not, um, why not humble him a bit and use him to keep building Roman for this hopeful match with the rock. And you know, it's, it's going to be in Saudi Arabia in front of a bunch of people who really don't follow professional wrestling anyway. So what the hell? Why not? Press conference was great. You know, Paul Heyman's going to do everything to level this up. It's going to feel big because they're mainstream stars. So um, I am not the target audience for this thing. And that's perfectly okay. I can admit when something is should do some business. And again, it's not like they're selling Peacock subscriptions. It's just content. So why not? Makes sense. Go do something that that fan base is going to find cool. Again, not for me, but I think it's a good moment. I think it's a good move. I think Sami Zayn and Jey Uso did the most interesting stuff in that press conference because that storyline is interesting. Um, Logan Paul, in theory, is a phenomenal professional wrestler, but you know he comes in already famous, so he doesn't have to do. He gets to like play pro wrestler like Shane McMahon style like he gets to play pro wrestler for a while and then go away and rather than like you know really grinding out there so you know if you want to be really successful the key is to be successful somewhere else so I mean it's just um I think it's a great idea I get why they're doing it but it's just not for me yeah I get it like I can take or leave Logan Paul but he's very intriguing to watch yes and yes, he's a great athlete. He's great. He impressed me really at SummerSlam. I was like, wow, he was doing stuff that Dominic Mysterio wished he could do. <laughs> I'm going to keep shading him all on this show because it's true. He's oh, really our- gifted in the ring. And I respect a guy that puts in the work. He's not going to be a grinder out there every week doing work. But we know what this is going to be. This, according to Triple H, when he tweets it out in November, will be the most viewed crown jewel of all time. <laughs> It would be the most streamed crown jewel in in Peacock history. It would be the most internationally viewed show of all time outside of our last internationally streamed show on Peacock. Great. You can cash that check and feel great about this. Yes. And then take a long, hot shower to soothe your soul from taking that blood money, but... I mean, they don't have a problem with it. They have no talking problem with it. Com- talking about a company that still has Vince McMahon's DNA all over it. They have yeah. no problems whatsoever. You know, things. how many years left? Six? <laughs> six? And then they're going to and then they're going to resign because it's so much money. Yes, because they can change the world. Oh, yes. It's gone great so far. They've been going there for five years. You see how different everything is now? It's like night and day. Like you wouldn't know that. I don't want to get into, I don't want to get too political on this show. But yeah. <laughs> Hey, we've moved from the women wearing cats from no t-shirts to cat suits. Growth. It's growth. Yeah, mean, meanwhile. <laughs> growth. Growth. Yes. I got to get a growth removed, actually. <laughs> you know, I ragged on these shows. I have to watch them because it's my job. I have to talk about them, review them. I tolerated whatever show they called earlier this year. Elimination Chamber. I tolerated it. I shall tolerate Crown Jewel 2, and at least I'm getting a good match out of it, so I'm not going to be too mad about it at the end of the day. It's going to be a good match. Like, is Roman Reigns is a, is a better worker than he's ever gotten credit for, right? The guy's been doing this a long time. He's very talented. Like, he can care. He'll be able to care. If, if The Miz got a, four, a Dave Meltzer rated four-star match mm-hmm. out of Logan Paul, what's Roman Reigns going to do with him? Four and a half. Right? This could be <laughs> four and a half, maybe 4.75. Yeah. Maybe. Like, if 
okay, if Roman Reigns got a five-star match out of Logan Paul, I want to be on Twitter that day and watch from afar while people lose their fucking minds. It's going to be awesome. Now I want to, now I'm trying to manifest that into reality. <laughs> you know what? You might not be wrong. This could be a five-star match. If, if I'm serious if the Miz got a four-star out of him and the Miz is terrible, like... <laughs> What can Roman Reigns do with this guy? I want that. I want that to happen. So then I see nothing but Shawn Michaels Undertaker tears. Oh my I, God. I want that so badly for this world because, quite frankly, Twitter can be boring sometimes. And now that CM Punk isn't trying to kill anyone anymore, Twitter's gotten boring again. <laughs> so let's have this. Let's have people at each other's throats. Give Logan Paul six stars. Holy shit, if it actually happens. Make it happen. Make it happen. Please. (laughs) If it gets five, which is a possibility, it's going to melt down. If it gets five, it's going to melt down. God, I want to. I wish I knew Dave will say, just do me a favor just for the entertainment purposes. Please give this match five stars. Please. I just, I need to live in that world. It's possible because I fully believe Logan Paul can pull it off. I do. He's that good. I think Roman Reigns can carry him. I do too. I think the right, I don't know who's going to age in the match, but I'm sure they're going to have the the right guy on it. And I truly believe Roman can make him look fantastic. Yes, I truly believe that. And the selling point is, can Logan Paul knock out Roman Reigns? That's going to be the selling point. Can he knock him out for like three seconds? And who's going to get involved to break up the pinfall? That's going to be key too. Solo. We're pushing him now. Or Sammy. If Sam- or both. Or both. If Sammy's allowed in the country, if they're that generous. Oh, yeah. I, for- I forgot. I forgot Sammy can't go to Saudi Arabia. It will be so Cause low. Because he's-, he's Canadian by way of Syria. Yeah, so he can't come. Those- oh, goodness gracious. Okay. What a shit show. Jesus Come Christ. on. We can't even continue the storyline. Damn it. Oh, Lord. Jay's got to save the day. So Sammy be jealous stateside. Great. Okay. They can make that work, actually. Yeah. And they can play it up back in the States on SmackDown. But we're just planning ahead right now as to what will probably happen. Not guaranteed. As we will segue now to Sammy Zayn and the bloodline as Sammy Zayn was going to try to be the mediator for Logan Paul and Paul Heyman. Did not work out. Got punched out by Logan Paul. Jay laughed at Sam getting knocked out at ringside. Jimmy was appalled. So you can see where their allegiances lie right now. And this leads to Ricochet versus Sami Zayn, a really good way to kick off SmackDown with proper outside interference throughout as we had Logan Paul deliberately distract the referee after Sammy hits the blue thunder bomb on Ricochet after the Usos deliberately distracted the referee to get Ricochet off his feet a bit. Then we have the moment when Sammy lands a half and half suplex on Ricochet and Jay gets in the ring and he is going to stop this pinfall from happening. Sammy's upset. He confronts Jay at ringside. They get into it. Ricochet wipes out everybody with the flip dive on the outside, lands a shooting star press on Sammy for the win, and everybody's pissed off besides Logan Paul and Ricochet. They're happy. Then we get my favorite segment from this entire situation. It was backstage. Casolo is supposed to defend his North American championship against Mad Cat Moss. And Jay is happy, saying, we got you, Oos. We're going to be out there rocking with you. And Solo his first true great moment on this show tells Jay, you know what, Jay, your head's not in the game. You are off tonight. So I'm going to roll with Sammy. Sammy's face lights up. He smiles. He realizes I won and you lost. And he says, see you. And he bounces like Tigger to the ringside area. It was, (laughs) it was, 
is the greatest. I love this so much. I am bold enough to say this is the best damn storyline in professional wrestling today. There are so many layers to this. Jay despises Sammy. Sammy hates Jay. Jimmy loves Sammy. Solo respects Sammy. Roman He's whatever at, at this point. We don't know what he really thinks. But all of this has been highly, highly entertaining. Roman's insecure, so he keeps them at war to keep himself on top. That's the thing that nobody talks about with Roman Reigns' character. Roman Reigns' character is the most insecure top professional wrestler maybe ever, right? Like, again, I can go on. For, this is what I like about the characters. Uh, uh a confident man doesn't make doesn't tell people to acknowledge him, right? An insecure man does. And that insecurity bleeds from years of people telling him that he isn't good enough. So Roman keeps his minions at war to keep himself on top. And it makes perfect sense because that's why he's a professional gaslighter. Yes, that's what he does. Yes. He does nothing but stir shit like because that is literally that is literally what people like in that position do. Like there was a guy who had a really important job in this country who likes to puts everyone who works for him kind of at odds with each other for the same reasons. You know what I'm saying? Like um, and this is why I think Roman's an interesting character. Right. I think people I don't think a lot of people get it to be honest with you. Cause when I watch him, that's all I see is I see like, especially he's got the teeth fixed and you know, he's just, <laughs> it's so, it's so over the top. It's like obvious, right? To me, I don't know. Like, I, I think that's what makes it intriguing. I always put that it's way almost too. Like, it's like, it, it makes him this fascinating anti-hero to me, right? That he's so brazen with it. Like more than Ric Flair. Like if I'm like, oh man, Ric Flair was more, Cavill, it was more like, you know, laid back than this dude. Like, Ric Flair said, I was, I'm the best, but he did it with a smile on his face. Roman, like, demands you tell him he's the best. You know? It's just this, like, I guess like, the only thing I could come up with is, like, is it insecurity. And that's what makes the whole thing really work to me. It's really the perfect storyline because he plays into those insecurities with the Usos. And yeah. when, when the camera is on him and he's hugging his cousins, for example, he smiles knowing I got him. I played yeah, like a oh, fiddle. Yeah. I got them oh, yeah. on my side. Jimmy, you say you was nobody's bitch last year. Now you're my bitch and you don't even know it because I played you for a fool. Like it's, it's fucking perfect. Nero. He's he's like Nero, like just watching, playing the fiddle while the rest of Rome burns around him. But he's going to be fine. Like, it's just it's really interesting TV. It, it is. really is like um, that said, I get kind of. But again, looking from afar, not watching all these matches, I don't know what else. They, again, I feel like we have to have Logan Paul here because every other baby face in this company has been. I hate to use it. Mike, if I was with my, my good friend, Mike Gilbert, he would use the term castrated. And I don't think that's quite I don't think it's quite an effective term or what you should say in this. But I don't think any baby face has like the teeth to stand up to him right now, which I think is a flaw in WWE's booking system. Right. Is that baby faces are really hard to believe in which is why heels get these kind of reactions in this company, right? Because for years we're told baby faces are dumb and they do stupid things and they ultimately lose. So I get it. Again, we're with Logan Paul and you're right in Saudi Arabia. If they do cheer, I imagine they'll love Roman Reigns in this situation, but what happens tomorrow? That is key. That is a good point. I, 
I don't know. And I mean, I literally, a, a good villain is only, can only go as far as, as the heroes standing around him. And I don't, I don't know where they go with from here. Like he beat Kevin Owens already, right? Like and, he's beaten McIntyre. McIntyre yeah. ended the show singing. Like he was so happy to lose his title match. He sang American Pie with Tyson Fury. What a great good guy move. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know. Like it's, and the one hand I get why Logan, the Logan Paul thing has to happen. On the other hand, who else is there? You're running out of people. Kevin's the closest because he's been screwed the most. Seth has his number two if they take it seriously. And then Seth's such a dork though. He's like a I dork, can't take But against I, Roman, it is viable in some ways because they do have that tinge of you really do. don't know. Yeah, I, I mean you're not wrong. I'll be the first to admit, I don't understand what this Seth Rollins character is supposed to be. I was like, oh, he's the Joker. I'm like, I I'm a nerd. The Joker doesn't act anything like that. No ver- no version of the Joker is Seth Rollins. Like he's just he's just Seth Rollins. Like I don't I don't understand what he's I don't get it. I don't and I don't see that as a baby face that could stand against this ultimate heel. Like he's the he's the Don, like I know Tony D'Angelo is the Don, but it's really Roman Reigns. Like that is like the godfather of professional wrestling at the moment. Like who who is there? Like I don't, I don't see, I guess it has to be the rock. And if that doesn't work out, maybe Cody, cause he's been gone for a long time and people are going to love him when he comes back. But I just, I don't know, man. It's interesting to me. It is. I've had to guess if it can't be the rock, it's gotta be Cody. Cause I would live for the press conferences. <laughs> It'll be entertaining. They will That's be ridiculous. very entertaining press conferences and somebody better have some muffins on standby. <laughs> I'm just saying. I hope, hopefully they go to Mindy's again. I'm yes, sure go to Mindy's. <laughs> Go to Mindy's. Uh, I don't know if there's a Mindy's in LA. <laughs> I don't know. But just do that for the press conference. I'll be sold because, you know, they're going to bring it one way or another. But that's my only hope at this point is Cody to do what needs to be done out of WrestleMania, preferably next year, if you cannot get The Rock. And I've always called Roman Reigns, Roman Reigns Coleone, because he is the final oh, boss. Yeah. He is the godfather is. of this mm-hmm. promotion. He worked them into giving a, a contract where he gets to have both titles and be on the show when he wants the ultimate flex what a worker indeed he is they gotta break those belts off they really do and i love roman but i need one belt on raw at some point oh i can't believe they're out of ideas for get it off when all it takes is some fake authority figure saying roman reigns doesn't want to be on my show i'm stripping him of the title like i literally watched eric bischoff hand triple h the world title that's literally how that world title got started on raw here you go this is your belt you can have it with a <laughs> and a velvet bag, no less. That's what it was. That's what they did. I mean, like another, like we're all out of ideas. Well, Triple H, how about, here. How about something here? Here's this big gold belt you didn't earn. Here, uh, I think. How about we try something which is better than we have done, which is nothing. And they control the storyline. Just get one of these belts off of him, please. It's a fictional universe. They I mean like they make the rules up. It's not that difficult. It's ordained. He must have these belts until forever. I know. It's like they're determined to Bruno. Like even Bruno Sabertino's looking down and being like, man, that guy's gonna keep those things for eternity. Like it's <laughs> ridiculous. He's looking like, wow, I wish I had that kind of power yeah, back I in the day. <laughs> Bruno's like, I didn't have this kind of stroke. I had to work like six Six, six days, days a week. A week? Like even Roman's, Roman's like, at home. Do you want one of these? Roman's like, I'll do one house show a month and one t- in two TVs. TVs. It's like, wow, what a deal! And I work every third pay per view. That's a big five. <laughs> that's like a WCW contract, <laughs> man. 
What a worker. Phenomenal. He's got an he's got an AOL Time Warner contract. That's what it no, is. It'll, it, I think Kevin Nash is still under an AOL Time Warner contract. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right. Those days. Oh, my God. Those contracts when they were so good, you didn't have to work for two years. Like, I'm good. Lanny Poffo never showed up. He was getting a hundred grand a year just to be Randy Savage's brother and maybe be Gorgeous George. Maybe. Oh, the day. That was a real thing. That really happened. Those contracts were lucrative back then for doing the bear. Shock, shocked they went out of business. Absolutely yes. I'm shocked. stunned when they lost $60 million in a year. I was stunned. I was floored. <laughs> I was I was 13 oh. reading the Atlanta Journal Constitution business section. Let's see. WCW lost $60 million in a year. How so? How did that happen? I, I watched the show. It made complete sense. <laughs> you know, like, I, I'm like, I read it. I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I get it. Yes. I knew the Wall Street Journal and the stock market at 13 because of WCW. I tell you, I, that's how I knew about the business side. Yet Eric Bischoff gets to have a podcast every week critiquing everything else other people do when that is his resume. And that is your failure, sir. Your failure. Yes. But it was their fault that you got. OK. All right. You tell yourself that, Eric. All right. Now, on a happier note, our last thing on SmackDown was a really good fatal four-way match for a shot at the undisputed tag team titles. It was a new day, Hit Row, Imperium, and the Brawling Brutes. I really enjoyed this match. I thought everybody had a moment to shine, Top Dollar included. The running joke is Top Dollar one day is going to do a dive on the outside. I would love to see it because they've been teasing it. So I guess he can do it at some point. He's been cut off the last couple of times. But his highlight was slamming Butch and the New Day at the same damn time. And then Rich Holland, who I normally have had beef with on the show because of his unsafe ways at times, he actually lands an Alabama slam on top dollar. His strength was actually incredible to lift that man from his back and then lift him up to hit the move properly. But ultimately, the Brawling Brutes won this match when they stole the pin from Imperium, courtesy of Rich Holland. And now they were facing Usos next Friday in Salt Lake City for those tag team titles. I thought everybody shined from Xavier Woods to Kofi to Butch Pete Dunn, who is wrestling like Pete Dunn, thank God. And we also got brief but non-physical interaction between Sheamus and Gunther as they're teasing that rematch sometime down the road as well. Best WWE match in maybe a decade, maybe more. Ooh, that is high praise, sir. It was awesome. It was really good. From a guy who who loves New Japan and old All Japan stuff, like that was... That was made for me, man. Let me tell you. Uh, this was a fun match. Like, I really I really liked it. Um, it felt like, and I say this with high praise, it felt like a non-WWE match to me. It felt like something that I would watch in Impact or, or like, on the Indies or something like that. Like, it was just eight guys going wild. And I really appreciated it. It was good on this show. Yeah, it was a very fun party match. And I love those in WWE now. Like, you get to let loose and... Dare I say three months ago, you cannot do half the stuff they did in this match. Yeah, they let them wrestle. Yes. Like, it's good that they have the old heads out of the business now where guys can actually show what they can do, right? Because that was always the, the thing about WWE is you have all these great guys that are doing like a quarter of the stuff that they're capable of. Like, what's the point? Like, this is a much more fun show to watch. So much better than where we were a few months ago. Mm-hmm. And this wraps up a pretty good week in WWE once again. But before we go, it's now time to pick... The top match of the week across Raw, Smacks, and NXT, maybe level up, perhaps main event. So, JD, what is your pick for the best match you saw from WWE this week? Unfortunately, Johnny Gagano and Chad Gable's off the table because Hulu thought you needed to see more Dominic Mysterio on your screen. 
Yeah, I got beef with Hulu because of this now. Uh, I'm hoping they lose that next ADO WWE because of this poor decision making. So I can't include that one. So for me, the mat- my match of the week was pretty deadly in the creeds. Uh, I sense a, I loved it. I sense a wee bit of bias from you, just a touch. Me? Bias? No. <laughs> Never. Um, honest to God, I think Pretty Deadly is fantastic. Yeah. They have this uh, old school territory like vibe to them, the pretty boys, you know, except they're English, so they have this new vibe to them that I just I love everything about these two guys. I think they're fantastic. They might be one of my favorite just straight heel tag teams in all of professional wrestling. And I just love the creeds and I liked the creativity around stupid WWE cage rules. And just I just really liked it. Maybe because my like again, I, I wanted to have fun with it, but my expectations weren't like super high. But they they were more than met to the point where I just I loved it, man. I couldn't say enough good things about it. I loved this match. It legitimately. Was really good. It really it was really good. Um, my pick this week, tough decision, because I like that match a lot too on 2.0. Loved Gable versus Gagano, but I'm gonna go with SmackDown, the Fatal Four Way. I really I enjoyed it. a great party match, high energy throughout. Woke up at Anaheim crowd because they were kind of sleepy throughout the show for some reasons. I know traffic's a bitch in LA around this time of day. But all in all, I thought that it was a very fun match. Everybody shined. And I'm looking forward to what the Brawling Brutes will do against the Usos next week on SmackDown for those titles. I do not expect the title change. I fully expect Imperium to get involved, which will lead to something at Extreme Rules involving Imperium, Brawling Brutes, Seamus, Gunther. We'll love to see it. So that's my pick. And it's good to have a difficult decision because WWE matches have been a lot better across all of these shows in the last month or two. Yeah, I'll agree with that. I'll say something like, again, I, I've only been watching WWE, you know, again for like a month, but it really seems to me like they have conditioned their fan base. You cheer for the entrance, you cheer for a big move, you cheer for a finish, but the rest of the match, you kind of sit there and you wait for the moment. And I'm used to AEW stuff where, you know, if the match gets hot, people are wild the whole time. Like, man, I would, that all out thing with the, with the acclaimed and uh, a swerve, I was just, I couldn't believe what I was watching. And then I come to watch WWE and it's, it's such a, it's such a different fan base that it, it, it trips me up a little bit when I, but you're right. That, that four way, they got the fans really interested in that one. And it just, it's weird to me to watch some of these shows that like you see good wrestling and they're not like into it, but then a guy wins and they go, ah! and they're going crazy. It's just so, it's so wild to me. It's got to come down to conditioning fans to think that the whole match matters. And it takes a while to get back to that. I remember when they reset Raw back in 2019 when Paul Heyman was building up different stars. It took about three or four months for people to say, oh, well, Aleister Black and Buddy Murphy, we kind of like this. It takes a while to settle in. And I think the more time you see good matches and you build people up, you're mm-hmm. going to get the heat. It's it's not going to happen overnight with the WWE. It's a slow process. But the good news is you're not going to have a person there telling you, you know what, we've waited three months. That's, that's enough for me. You're going to actually go through the process and it's going to get better in due time. Agreed. Agreed. I mean, like, I think it's a re-education process. And, you know, like I said, it doesn't happen overnight. And at some point, if we can tell those people to stop chanting what, mm-hmm. I'd be even more appreciative of it. <sighs> a chant that needs to die. It's been 20 years. 21 years. Could you imagine a chant from the 70s that still was alive in the 90s? I know. Even the CM Punk chants died at some point. Well, <laughs> it's different. It's much different now. Much different um, now. It's, it's you know, circumstances have changed. 
don't know if we get that. I'm a Chicago guy too, and I don't know if we get that chant again. To be honest, with <laughs> you boy, we'll find out in ten months. Uh, you know, maybe maybe two, and when they go back to Chicago for Thanksgiving, it's not boring. Never, it's never boring. I'll tell you that it's never boring. Never a dull moment. As we put a bow on this week's episode of the Rap right here on the Fake Media Network, I want to thank JD for joining me. First time on the Rap, first time of us talking like this. Yeah, for like ninety minutes, and we did not piss the bed. I'm impressed. I I love getting a chance to uh, jump on our, our brethren shows uh, and, and kind <clears> of <throat> spread my wings a little bit because Mike and I, I, I am incredibly biased. I'm a biased human being. I think we have the best impact show that there is. And like of anybody, I truly believe that. So when either of us gets a chance to kind of spread our wings a little bit. It's always fun to hear to hear us talking about something different. And this is not my wheelhouse, WWE. Like <clears throat> like I said earlier in the show, I've never really been a dyed-in-the-wool WWE fan. So getting a chance to really get on here and, and talk about this product was fun. And I thought I would get a lot more uh, sarcastic and mean. But I turned out I'm enjoying this stuff more than I even realize I am. So I, you brought out a, uh, a surprisingly happy side of me, which I wasn't expecting. I corrupted you. I'm proud of myself. Look at me. You should be. Yes. I'm a better person. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. WWE is really good when you're in a better mood by the time the show's over. I'm blown away. I'm going to, I'm literally scratching my head like, how did this happen? I'm in a lighter mood. I know it, it happens to all of us, you know, for a point. You can be easily sarcastic about this stuff, but hey, when it's good, it's good. We got to praise I was it. I very Dom Mysterio. I was all fired up to do it too. And we got that out of the way early and I was like, yeah, the rest of this stuff is fun. Like, <laughs> it was all right. <laughs> we still dedicated way too much time to him and his hair. He sucks. He sucks. He sucks. You know, Ray didn't knock us off so I guess he agrees this week that his son fell short of expectations, but it's okay. Oh, you made a Ray Mysterio short joke. I haven't heard one of those since 1998. <laughs> it was not on purpose. <laughs> It's very accidental. <laughs> Ray, don't come for me, okay? I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it, okay? I remember I made a mistake saying that Dominic was a pillar. Never again. I, I take it all back. But a fun show with you as always. Come back anytime. Hello. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to. I would love to. Scott and I, Scott and I have a very... Uh, He's like my little brother, but we have this contentious pro wrestling relationship where we have completely different thoughts on every aspect of professional wrestling. So I would love at some point to come on with the whole crew and derail Scott as I love doing. That would make my day for reasons you can't possibly understand. Oh, I understand. You, un you know how evil I am when it comes to Scott's misery on this show. Oh, oh, and I love nothing more like if you ever watch i've had people scott and i will argue about something and we'll have people like randos chime in and we're both like hey man I'm talking to my friend here you don't get to say anything mean about him and i'll be like you're being stupid and someone's like yeah i'm like shut up motherfucker you don't get to say that so yeah <laughs> it's it's a little good fun i need this energy on the show so we're gonna book you back here <laughs> very soon just for Cannot that wait. i'm gonna sit back and just moderate and just say do what you do get him jd get scott get him we good. used to have a sh we used to have a show and like you know when you have an independent podcast and you know uh it just I think I think the pandemic kind of killed our show because it was you know those were tough days for everybody and mm -hmm. just i didn't have the energy just to edit and do our own podcast and then life kind of took us over but now that we're both here i would love to come back for some 
old school talk, but especially with WWE, because he comes on Impact and, you know, uh, he has like wild impact takes. He never watches a show except when I ask him to. So it would be fun for me to return the favor with WWE with him. Yeah, and I love the moonlight on impact as well. You know, just- you are the you have an open invitation to come on and discuss Impact Pro Wrestling whenever you'd like. Because I would love to hear you and Mike cut it up a little bit, and I would sit back. All right. Well, looking forward to it. We will continue these cross promotional events right here on the wrap and brace for Impact. Scott will be back next week as we count down the weeks until Extreme Rules going down in philly so for myself and for jd that's a wrap on all things wwe have a fantastic week guys bye bye